Our, after the uh, sermon of this morning, our song of response is the Psalm 25, the second and third stanzas. Our text this morning is, is found with our reading of James chapter 1. I want to look at the verses 19 through 21. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, William Shakespeare gave us one of the most famous sayings of all of human literature when he said in, through the mouth of Hamlet, to be or not to be, that is the question. How often have we not heard this expression used? Now, I don't want to give a determinative interpretation of what he meant by that expression, for there are many theories as to the exact meaning. I think it had to do with the matter of whether it was nobler to, to suffer the slings and arrows of enemies and so to live, or to take arms against the enemy and commit inevitable suicide, to die, in other words, by doing so. To live or to die as a being, that is life's question. Hamlet didn't have a very good view. The world does not fare much better in its explanation of the value of life and death either. And we know that for we see how terribly they misuse life and how easily they put to death. The Bible is busy with the question as well. Only the Bible does not ask whether it is nobler to live or to die, but it suggests that death is man's enemy. And it offers up the invitation to find eternal life through Jesus Christ. In Christ we may do more than just escape death on the last day. Scripture teaches, as to our life, that in Jesus Christ, we may in fact taste of this newness of life, this eternal newness today. And that's what we want to see with our text of this morning. Congregation, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. To be. So as not, not to be. Let the questions disappear. Whether life should be or not. 
then let us go on to renewal of life. Brothers and sisters, our text fits many, I dare say, all occasions in church life. However, this morning, as much as I've been doing that in Barhead several Sundays, we've been looking at family life, the communication between the different elements of family life, the different people persons involved, mothers and fathers and children, brothers and sisters. We want to continue with, I want to continue with that that vein, family life, and apply God's word very specifically to the relationship between husband and wife, that basic unit for unity in Christ. And we'll look at this with the idea of replacing many of the negative elements we bring into marriage because of our past, and so try to help each other get on with the more righteous lives we are meant to live in our Lord and Savior. I proclaim to you then the word of our Lord as we find that with our text under the following theme and heads, in the righteous life that God works in us by his word, husbands and wives and everyone, should be, first of all, quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. First of all then, husbands and wives, especially them, should be quick to listen. You'll notice, if you look carefully, that we've, we've put that last word of the theme in capitals, B-E, B. We should be, brothers and sisters. That's the thrust of our theme. We should be, we should be what God intended us to be. As Christians, we may consider that there is a heavenly impetus and might even say origin to our birth. For we've been created by God. And knowing that to be true is one thing and the first thing. But after that we must be ready to listen to God's word and apply it so that the righteous lives which the word is creating in us, and that's, that's a powerful statement, brothers and sisters, so that the righteous lives which the word of God is creating in us, it's happening, that it may come to the fore. And perhaps you say that sounds easy enough. But working it out is, is another thing. We all too often convince ourselves that enough is done in the way of faith. All the while, little is actually accomplished. The one day of ineffectiveness in living to the Lord soon becomes the pattern of life. We need to listen more to God's word 
as to what it's actually saying, what it expects of you and me. In other words, we need to listen to God. We have to work out the salvation that God is working in us. Philippians 2, 12, 13. We can't just sit on what we hear from God's word and do nothing. We have to work with it for the change it is seeking to make with our lives. That, that restoration of, of paradise for our lives. And to say then this morning, becoming husband and wife is not an end in itself. Becoming husband and wife means getting to know each other. So that together, husband and wife may grow in the knowledge of God. And work at setting up the all-important relationship of two becoming one. It's about preparing and making ready. For bringing children into the world. Of course all this under the blessing of God of course. Today we want to look at the relationship of husband and wife. And apply what James says. Marriage is not an easy thing. Consider brothers and sisters. That for most. The rest of life depends on a man and a woman getting it right. In coming together as partners. And so to ask the question. How does God want us to live? How shall we then live? As to work with that question. To work it out. To show what God wants. Now James shows us in this chapter. That, that being who we are meant to be as Christians does not happen just like that. God is at work in us. But we also have to work it out. And to know then, congregation, that this world is a, is a broken place. Opposed to the restoration work God has, has offered to mankind. Countless millions Delight in sin. God has to pull us away. From going in the same direction. Even as the world is urging you to stay in the mess. Yes God wants you out. It will take the strong courage of faith. To, need, to do what needs doing. And that's why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So in this world of sin, world of trial of many kinds, God is testing us in our faith to develop that perseverance, to finish the race in that perseverance, to be mature and complete. And you must consider this to be true 
when it comes to your marriages as well. Everything is not perfect entering into it. Neither is it perfect as you go on together. I would have you consider this morning, brothers and sisters, that there have been many tugs and pulls on your personality in your upbringing which are not conducive to having you build a strong relationship together. So this is entering into it. All too often, we're not fully aware of how much we have been affected by sinful conditions. We may think we have the tools for building up a normal marriage, but our history would suggest at least in the lives of of many of us, if not most of us, that we don't have these tools just like that. We come ill-equipped in most instances. We need to learn so much more than we already have. We need to unlearn things as well. We have to learn things that do not come naturally out of, of being married together. There are so many things that need to be weeded out or refashioned if we're going to grow at being husband and wife and eventually father and mother. And therefore James offers up help when he says in the first place, everyone should be quick to listen. James means this to count for all of us in all situations, congregation. So if we're talking about husbands and wives and You're not that yet. Don't tune out. Tune in. And if you're you're old in the last years of your life, humanly speaking, don't tune out. Many of our reformed marriages, old people and all the children are gone and the grandchildren are already old. Husband and wife don't know what to do. Because they've never communicated earlier. And they live with each other, but quite often beside each other. So it's for all of us. Let's keep that in mind, even though we're, we'll be looking more specifically at husbands and wives. Be quick and ready then in the first place to listen to God. As his will is found in the records of his revealed will in Scripture. And in that we, that he speaks to us through the voice of our conscience. All Christians must be quick to hear if they're going to be blessed by God. And quick to hear if they're gonna, going to be a, a blessing in their marriage. Are you listeners in your marriages, brothers and sisters? Husbands and wives. And that's not meant to say, are you good at listening, that and no more. Are you busy with trying to be productive in that you listen, is the question. The word of God is there to guide you in your marriages. That's why you receive Bibles with your weddings. The church was saying, here, use it, listen. Listen. To what it has to say, you'll definitely need it 
if you want your marriage to work. But if to listen to God, then you also have to be ready to listen to your partner in the Lord. God is working through his word, but he's also working on that relationship you have through your partner to make your marriage a real blessing. Listen to each other. What does that mean? It means that you are not called to dominate and press your will on the other. The Lord works for peace in your lives. He therefore wants you to make of two ways of life and thoughts that which is marked by the healing power of the word of God. Throughout my years of of ministry, I've come to see the brokenness that exists in our Reformed lives. Forget about the world for a minute. If you want to put a percentage on the brokenness of the world, you may put the same percentage, if not more, in our Reformed lives. As parents, we may all think we've done our best. But the truth be told... We have not always done what was needed for bringing our children up to be equipped for marriage. It's even so that when parents sought to keep sin from us as children, they quite often created an atmosphere of abuse, causing the children to grow up resentful and ill-equipped to handle life maturely. Have you considered your partner's background? Have you truly listened? Are you even now willing to listen? And to say, yes, I was told that he and she came from a broken home, but I think I can handle living with him or her. That may not be the solution. That may be wanting to do your best, but not necessarily that you're going to do that. That may not even be close to enough of what is needed to make your marriage work. In reality, this should be done before marriage. Listen and ask, did his or her father and mother clearly love each other? And in that way, show love to their children. Was your partner encouraged as a child? Did the parents instill confidence and a sense of worth and value? Did they give praise in a timely way? Be quick to listen to your partner. Not just to the words that they may speak, but also listen to the other things that he or she may not be saying. Your partner's self-esteem is a result of where he or she has been. His or her parents may have been too permissive too smothering, too strict, too religious, or worse yet, abusive or neglectful. If the parents are still alive, have you listened carefully to the way they communicate with their son or daughter, even now as they are adults? It may be different, but there's a good chance that the patterns of the past 
are still intact today. Listen carefully. Not to say, oh, I absolutely refuse, therefore, to go further. But you have to work with it. You have to listen if you want to affect change to your situation. Are you being of help? Are you willing to? Are you ready? Are you prepared for the task? Fear is often embedded in a person having poor self-esteem. We fear so much. Perhaps the greatest of the fear is rejection. Your partner may find failure or fear looking dumb, as they say. Listen to what is being said and be ready to help or to seek help in some instances. The more fears your boyfriend or girlfriend or or mate has, the less open he or she is going to be in, in a relationship. So don't just listen to the language of the tongue, but listen also to the the way things are said and how the body expresses itself to you. If your partner is withdrawn and unexpressive, this may be a clue to them being insecure, a result of actual or perceived rejections in their past. By listening carefully, Through the ears of faith, we must make every effort not to communicate rejection to our mates, but rather we must make ourselves ready to be open. Yes, open to the word of God and to open the way through God's word for the making of righteousness to effect the necessary changes God wants us to have in life and in marriage. Sometimes marriage gives the opportunity for a partner to open up, where before in the family situation that was not made available. But if we are not listeners, if we are not there to encourage and help the other along, to let them open up, then we will only be Ones who do greater damage to our partner's esteem. Husbands and wives, I feel quite safe in saying that many of us are are suffering from the results of how we have been brought up in a less than positive way. Listen, therefore, all the more to each other with a willingness to be the true help your partner needs. I cannot say it enough. Listen. What is it that you say, I don't feel like talking now? I don't feel like talking with my partner this morning or this evening. What is it that you're telling yourself? First of all, I'm, if not, I am who I am. He or she will just have to take me being the way I am. Do you know what you're really saying? 
You're showing a lack of training for making a good marriage. It's even likely that you're expressing the fact that you are damaged goods. Therefore, we must be good listeners as partners to help and to effect change. And, and through your listening, you receive the opportunity to point out the help your partner needs. And that works both ways. It's not just one, one side. For we all have our shortcomings. And it's, that's the wonderful thing of marriage. We can be there to help each other, to grow and increase in the knowledge of God and to grow as, as husband and wife into that one body. But always let the word of God lead you. For that's the point James makes. It's not that we have to think these things out ourselves. God is working in us. There's that newness that's taking place. That says to the word of God when we read it, I need that. I need to apply that. And so to do so. Not by force. Not by saying, oh you're dumb. You're messed up. No, but by saying, I love you. And I, I need to be there for you. Paul obviously has this in mind for all of us as Christians, no matter what our relationship with each other. I want to underline that once again. It's not just husband and wife. We must be quick to listen to what lives in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ and not command their lives according to how we think they should live. Even before we've listened to what they had to say, The body of Christ will not be built up into a strong body if we do not take the time to listen to each other, no matter the person, no matter the station of life. But let it especially be seen, starting with you as husband and wife. And so to come to the second point, be slow to speak. James next addresses the need for us as Christians, as husbands and wives, to be slow to speak. If not quick to listen, the converse, the opposite, is also likely true. We will be quick to speak. How often do we not run into that in everyday life? The one person is speaking and suddenly the other person begins to speak before the first one's even finished. We're all capable of doing that and often do, myself included. Let me say that first before you do. But isn't it so? Somebody's talking to you and all of a sudden he's on a different topic already. Obviously he hasn't listened to what you were saying. Was isn't interested. But now about husbands and wives. Many who argue do not wait for the other to speak. They want to bring their point across, either because they lack respect for the other or they think they themselves have the only answer that is needed to make things right in the given situation. Once again, we have to ask ourselves to consider the other. Think about them. How was that my partner brought up as a child? 
It may very well have been in an atmosphere where one voice ruled the roost and all the other opinions didn't count. As that father ruled with a, with a whip. And so the, the lesson taught, which is be quiet or else, becomes the lesson applied. You've heard it before. Those who say, I'll make sure that I bring up my kids better than my parents did. I resent what father did. I'm going to do it differently, only to find out a few years later. They've only been trained in the abuse. And so that's what they apply when the situation becomes tough. Feeling is you need to dominate. Father did, I need to too. To speak quickly so the other doesn't have the opportunity. Your works are often meant to bring about a counterproductive situation. All because you do not want to tolerate a different opinion. But there's also the reality that you or your partner could have been on the other side of such a situation, being dominated by the other, more often than not, leads to a lack of self-confidence. Are you witnessing that in your marriage? What are you doing about it? Exploiting the opportunity? Does the husband's lack of confidence, for instance, cause the wife to be opportunistic in taking charge? You may say, well, what needs to be done needs to be done. We see it quite often how wives take over the devotions because the husband does not feel secure enough to do it. He was never encouraged when he was young, and therefore he was never equipped. You can, you can abuse that situation thinking you're helping as a wife, but in reality you're just making him feel less. Less adequate. Husbands and wives, if your partner lacks confidence, especially in decision making, don't think you have to quickly open your mouth to take on the task yourself and so leave him or her all the more frustrated. I see so often how a partner will take over rather than listen to the situation and help their partner overcome the difficulties they may have doesn't help it's nice to be there to help the person when he truly needs it but there's also situations where the person needs to develop and therefore you keep quiet you're slow to speak again it can be as simple as that parents made the decision for the children and they lacked the training they should have have received it's as simple as that So be slow to speak. Don't take the task away. In this way, encourage each other. Ask for the opinion of the other before you open your mouth. Making decisions, especially critical ones, is difficult for anyone. But for some, it can be excruciating. Here's the opportunity to observe and try to understand sympathetically. 
so you can come alongside him or her and begin to rebuild the crumbled wall of confidence which came with youth. Husbands and wives don't rush in and make all the partner's decisions for him or her. Be slow to speak, rather encourage. If a wrong decision is made, don't scold the partner, but say to him or her, the important thing is that the attempt was made. You might not say it in words, but you convey that, that approach with your body language. Above all, be patient. You may say that no decision is often worse than making the wrong decision. It's not always true. Above all, permit your your mate room. Do not blow up with every wrong as Christ was for the church. Follow his example. He didn't leave us because we were loud-mouthed and sinful persons. He was there to, to take away what was wrong with us. We have to do that as well. And so with husband and wife, it's because that's where it starts, but with all of you, in your communication as, as congregation, be Be slow to speak. When you're visiting someone who's conveying a concern, be slow to speak. Let them speak their mind. Be sympathetic. And so we come to the last point. Be slow to become angry. As Christians, we must always be slow to become angry, slow to show anger or wrath, an essential quality for listening to God is that the mind should not be distracted by thoughts of resentment, ill temper, vengeance or hatred, all of which we may comprise in the word anger or wrath. In marriage, a delicate balance between being open And stopping to listen must be maintained. The climate of acceptance should be such that each partner feels free to share his or her thoughts, feelings and questions without that fear of rejection. If your mate is fearful, it's your responsibility to create quiet, non-threatening, unhurried times for the two of you to get together and communicate. Don't fear silence. When your mate does open up, listen and ponder his or her words. Think about your reply before you give it. And thank him or her for what has been shared. Don't just resort resort to anger. That's so easy to do. You don't like what you're hearing and you right away put up a defensive argument because you're angry. Often, yes, all too often, what we see in marriage is the expression of anger. It's often instant. 
Usually it's a cover-up for not wanting to speak or engage in communication. Anger is a sign of having given up the task you need to perform. It says, I reject you. I want nothing to do with you at this moment. Well, what is that for marriage? There are not to be these timeouts. Because if you do take them, you're going to damage what getting back together and you're going to put a Yeah, something on onto your marriage which which is a la- has a lasting quality. Father was always angry and he got his way, so the partner may use it in marriage as well. Instead of helping. Being slow to speak but determined is a way to bring anger to a standstill. Fighting anger with anger produces chaos. Nothing gets done until cooler heads prevail, let's face it. Congregation, those who practice that kind of conduct do not practice the kind of conduct which alone is right in God's sight. On the contrary, by allowing free play of anger, we render impossible just decisions in marriage. What God requires of of us is that we do justice, as the text says. Anger prevents righteousness. In the broader sense, congregation, your anger may make it more difficult for others to lay hold of the truth that God is good and himself does what is right. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You need to apply that in your marriage so that you may be, as James says, rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. We may entertain doing that, brothers and sisters. We can get rid of the world of sin. Not that we'll be perfect, but we'll be happy because... The things I did wrong yesterday, I'm not doing wrong today. And to realize that things can change for the good because of what Jesus Christ has brought into our lives. Husbands and wives, as with the show of anger, human attempts to live lives in one's own way, to make and follow one's own moral standards or to vindicate oneself before God by one's own efforts, are all doomed to failure. All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments, Isaiah says in chapter 64, verse 6. Of course, he's talking about those righteous deeds, that the ones we think are righteous. They're all polluted. That's the fact. That's the truth. You are restored as a Christian to a state of righteousness which is from God. You must therefore have the polluted garments removed or at least covered by Christ's mantle, white mantle of righteousness. As anger is the worst of the lot when applied to marriage, 
They can be removed, congregation, if we but work at it. And James goes on from there to say, be doers of the word of God. Indeed, that's what, what it takes. Do for each other as husbands and wives, according to God's word. Control that anger. Control all your efforts so as to serve one another righteously. There is nothing of the negative to marriage that cannot be controlled and made subject to the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, but you have to work out your own salvation. In fear and trembling. Do that all the more. Look at each other and say, I've been wrong. If you've been wrong, forgive my anger. Today I want to listen more and say less. But don't you think that? Say it to each other. And say, help. Help me. And I will help you. Let's be open to that. Let's work at it. And so to fulfill the will of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.